So um, I don't want to talk about the UVA game to start. They played Wisconsin yesterday. We're not going to talk about that. Mm. Not anything to report on sure. that game. Not, I don't even think it happened, really. Yeah. Show me the evidence. <laughs> One game I do want to talk about, though, that happened a couple days ago mm-hmm. is the Indiana-Louisville game. Yeah, Louisville's having a little bit of a tough go of it out of the beginning of the season. Their fans very angsty. Of course, last season was an unmitigated train wreck. And they were hoping to get things turned around with an influx of talented transfers and high-level recruits. So far, hasn't worked out that way. But they played a pretty competitive game. They were up late against Indiana, but let it slip away in the final minutes. And after the game, head coach Kenny Payne was talking about how they let that lead evaporate in the late minutes of the game and was talking about some adjustments made by Mike Woodson, Indiana head coach, and how he switched to zone late in the game, which is unlike him. It's not quite like Tony Bennett switching to zone, where you worry that there's something... Pretty close, though. It's, it is, it's up there, though. So Kenny Payne, after the game, was talking about that decision and said that his coaching staff did not prepare for the possibility of Indiana going to zone. Quote, he tricked me. Uh, buddy, you can't say that. Yeah. You can't admit that you got tricked or that you didn't prepare for a zone. One of the two types of defenses there are. <laughs> it's either man or zone, and you weren't ready for it. Yeah, it's not a great look. I can partially understand it. When you're, you know, college basketball team, got an out-of-conference game, you're prepping for a bunch of stuff at once and you got a team and a coach that even his own players after the game, Xavier Johnson was like, look, coach Woodson doesn't like playing zone. You know, this, I can, so there's a part of me that can understand that like they never really do this. So you're not going to spend a bunch of practice time preparing for it. However, it was like a pretty basic two, three zone. How are you not prepared for that when you're in a conference with Syracuse and like just you're a major division one program. <laughs> he got tricked. He got tricked. He got tricked by zone. Uh, is, there, is there any way this guy survives this? I don't I feel like he's gone midseason. Oh, like, he might so. be gone by January. I, I think that would be true if he had been hired under the context of like not expecting for them to be bad for a little bit but they were in a b- real bad way when he came in because of ncaa stuff and so i i think this was the expectation and i think they are clearly getting better except for getting except tricked. for getting tricked yeah, in not, the last three minutes of the game not great at that but 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 the fact that this was a close game this is a louisville team that last year was losing to local high schools and now they're in competition with Indiana. Hey, there you go. They're back. It baby steps. I mean, listen, I just think, again, we've, we focus on this all the time, but I feel like some of these coaches need media training. And a lot of them, I feel yes. like, get media training at their schools. How do you get to be a Division One coach mm-hmm. at a program as famous and historic as Louisville and just be like, whoopsie maybe he tricked some people 
<laughs> I know trickery when I see it. <laughs> and that's what that was. Hello, and welcome to the Preferred Walk-Ons Podcast. This is Michael McGraw here with Michael Shutt. As always, you can write into the show at preferredwalkons at yahoo.com or engage with us on social media at PWOPod. Today is the 21st of November, and it's Rivalry Week. That's exciting. Lots of rivalry games on this week. And big ones that are going to impact college football playoff and just general kind of conference outlooks pretty exciting times yeah love me some rivalry week in my house it's known as go to hell carolina week mm. mm-hmm. yeah i mean we already had a podcast though titled that That's so fine. to me we've we could, already we could title all of them all every week that. yeah i literally so i was at the nc state virginia yeah, tech game that? oh it was fantastic i gotta say one of my better experiences as a visiting fan i know you don't like tech and i know most of our most of our listeners don't like tech, but they were really pleasant pretty much the whole time. I was, I tried to be, you know, we've talked about this before. I tried to be a respectful visiting fan. I got a little bit less respectful as the game went on, but, but as soon as that game ended, I was, I was walking out of Lane Stadium just yelling, "Go to hell, Carolina!" My brain already shifted. I, yeah. A lot of tech fans, are, I think, were kind of confused as to why I was yelling that, but mm-hmm. um, I wasn't. And some of the other state fans that I saw were not confused about why I was yelling that. We were ready to roll. That was we're a fun on to game. Cincinnati. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so that's that was a great game for NC State and Brennan Armstrong. Mistake-free performance from him. And some of the play calling. Finally got to see some of that Anai play calling that we've been waiting for. That's that, right. like, Concepcion touchdown pass. That's that was right. pretty cool. Pretty sick. I saw that at the I was at the UVA Duke game and they kept showing out of town highlights and I saw that and I was like, there he is. There's yeah, a nye. Yeah. He's back. He he had definitely had his best game as a play caller. I felt like, you know, you gotta think he and Brennan both probably pretty fired up for this game. Mm-hmm. Um, feeling like they probably had their best chance to win at Lane Stadium. Uh, their last chance, you know. Well, definitely last chance for Brennan. Yeah, they brought it, and super impressive. I mean, it got close at the end, but it was one of those games you you knew it was going to be that way. You knew State was going to sort of take the foot off the gas because Doran does that and kind of gets really conservative and lets games get closer than they should get. And it's frustrating. I understand that, but it never felt in danger. Yeah, just a really great game. Another amazing game from Peyton Wilson. He was all over the place on defense. Uh, that dude is one of, if not the best defensive players in the country. Yeah, just just a really, really solid win over a tech team that was in a really good spot. And I'm super curious to see how y'all's rivalry game ends up this week. Yeah, I don't really know what to think about the game. Having watched UVA just play Duke, in some ways, even more than the Carolina game, it was their most complete game of the season. Just mistake-free from a turnover perspective and solid drives solid decision making there were several like fourth down calls where we did the tush push to keep possession of the ball and you know duke scored a late touchdown to make a little bit of a white knuckle affair at the end but like uva really controlled the game in the second half and it was refreshing to see calandria played really really well malik washington played well they managed to get 
a couple of critical turnovers at big points, which their defense has done a really poor job of doing all year. So exciting to see UVA play well and Tech to maybe not play their best game. But we've also seen Tech play really well over the course of the last month and a half, seven weeks of the season. So now coming into this game favored by only a field goal, it should be should be pretty competitive. So we kind of touched on this a little bit last week, I think. This idea of like finishing a season that has had its ups and downs for UVA for sure, but but a losing season nonetheless. And you talked about this idea that there are fans out there that like could say, if you just beat Tech, it'll all be worth it. And you kind of pushed back against that. You have an, an added layer to it now that Tech has lost the state where you can keep Tech out of a bowl. Mm-hmm. Does that help make that more appealing to you? Does that sweeten the pot a little bit where you're like, you could consider it more of a win to say, well, we beat Tech. You beat Duke, which was good. Like, you know, you beat Tech, you're solidly on the over for expected wins, right? Yeah, three yeah. and a half. Yeah. yeah, so you hit the over, you beat your rival, you beat a team that was – you beat two teams that were ranked for duration most of the season and keep tech out of a, out of a bowl game. Does that feel like a win for you? I mean, it definitely is a sweet situation to, if sure. you would be able to do that. And UVA has had several opportunities in the last decade to do that where tech needed a win in the last week of the season and they haven't been able to get that victory. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, it would be gratifying and I think it would change the perception of a lot of fans at the end of the year I don't call that a successful season I mean that's kind of a vague term that doesn't mean a whole lot but four and eight where you get wins over US uh, UNC Duke Virginia Tech I mean that is a significantly better year than some fans thought we would be able to get especially when you pair it with the fact that they also have five losses within one score Mm -hmm. so like you were really in almost every game that you played this year, yep. with the exception of Georgia Tech and Tennessee. Those two games, non-competitive. The other 10 games have been very competitive. So, yeah, I think that would be better. I think that would be a convincing thing for many fans that Tony Elliott deserves more time. I mean, I think he's going to get more time regardless, but it would be a bigger deal for UVA fans, I think. I think most fans would find that more palatable than three and nine where tech wins and makes a bowl game even though it looked like they were going to be terrible at the beginning of the year yeah i want to i just want to pull the tape from the beginning when we talked about expectations for the year because i don't remember exactly how you felt going in i know i i remember saying personally that i felt i thought there was an outside chance that both these teams could be playing for ball eligibility here And, and like you said like UVA really is a a few points away, basically, from this game being for bowl eligibility for them. You win a couple of those games. You don't even have to win all those one-score games. Now, you win all those one-score games, and this season is a resounding success. <laughs> but you win a couple of them, and, and that's possible. And I don't know. I just feel like in comparison to expectations, I feel like if I was a UVA fan, I would feel pretty good about the positive momentum. And you got to look at the big picture and going into the offseason and recruiting and transfer portal and all that stuff. If you can build on, you know, closing the season out with, you know, a couple wins in a row, 
close games. You had a win over a top 10 team or, you know, that that feels good for recruiting. And then the, the Tony Elliott thing in terms of how you evaluate him, I think a big part of that is going to be what does he do with that momentum? So if you are able to beat Tech, I don't want to get I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but let's say it happens. I think you got to show fans that when this transfer portal opens up in a couple of weeks, because that's your real first thing, you know, are you losing players first? And then if not, are you starting to pick up guys? Like, are you starting to look at this and, and are you, because you now have a product that you could sell to recruits, including transfers. Are you building on your roster? I think that's where the the verdict on Tony Elliott will kind of come. Yeah. And that's what's so hard about evaluating programs now it's very difficult when you just look at the recruiting part from high school to feel optimistic about the long-term projections of the program. Our recruiting is not great. It's not great compared to other ACC schools. If he goes out in the portal and gets a whole bunch of players, then maybe that changes things. Yeah. But similarly, or conversely, we lose a bunch of players, all these exciting freshmen that have been contributing to the team that we feel good about cam robinson or anthony calandria they hit the portal then you suddenly feel a lot less excited about the direction of the team and it's tough to know what how any of those things are going to fall out and it's a thing that every program in the country is going to have to deal with so yeah i think it's kind of a to be determined and i think we'll know a lot after next week i mean i think there is a big gap between four and eight and three and nine in this current situation so big big game Look, start passing the collection plate now, uh, the NIL collection plate. State fans were talking about that as soon as the Tech game ended. They were like, next week, Carolina game, we'll just pass some plates around, take up some money to keep KC Concepcion especially. MJ but, Morris, KC yeah. Concepcion fund. I think MJ's just gone. I think we're going to have to tap into mm. And then our the problem is but our the parents tweeting our big like quarterback recruit just picked up a Georgia offer. No, oh. Miami. He picked up a Miami offer. Mm. And he's from that area. How's his kneeling game? <laughs> maybe, <laughs> he he d- maybe he doesn't he have to. He won't need it down there. Yeah. A couple other things from last week that I wanted to talk about. There are some big games, but I'm less interested in talking about the big games. Yeah. I'm more interested in talking about Auburn losing to mm. New Mexico State. Sure. What a great moment in our lives. This is why this sport is so fun. Auburn, a plucky team that has done okay they're going to make a bowl game this year lost to new mexico state in a buy game paying 1.8 million dollars to the aggies they lost to them more by more points than old miss and texas a&m combined is that good <laughs> I, I don't know if you root for auburn it's bad i'm a big jerry kill fan i think he's long been one of the more underrated coaches in the country and i love this i just i love I, any almost any time a power five team loses one of these bye games, it's so funny to me. And just I I've never been like a big Auburn fan. I don't know. There's just something about that place that seems weird, and I'm not super into them. So the, I I enjoyed seeing that this happened. I didn't watch it happen. I feel like when I go to a game, I get so like distracted. Not distracted, but I'm so focused on that that I don't pay attention to what else happens. I was paying attention to UVA. But I didn't see this until later and just love it. I love it. The last two examples of 21-point underdogs or more losing a game by at least 21 points. New Mexico State beating Hugh Freeze in 2022 Mm -hmm. when he was at Liberty. 
And New Mexico State beating Hugh Freeze this year in Auburn. Yeah. That means also that all three FBS teams that have the Pistol Pete logo, Wyoming, Oklahoma State, and New Mexico State, all have variations of that weird mustached Pete fella mm. with the gun. They all won last week. 3-0 and for Pistol Pete. There's something there. Also, what a I, dumb sport. I, yeah, <laughs> I love the that the two coaches here, Hugh Freeze and Jerry Kill. It's like Batman villains coaching football teams. <laughs> yeah, I mean there were also some other important games, like Washington got a big win in Corvallis. Uh, that was big. Jordan Travis going down with a major injury. Quarterback of Florida State probably shapes the complexion of the rest of the season for them. They're in trouble, but. I think those are probably the two biggest storylines. Michigan survived at Maryland. They did not play nearly as well as I was hoping that they would and gave Maryland three opportunities late in the game to actually take the lead. Had me real nervous, but... I, I think it's just interesting. I think that there's a lot of results within those games that set up for this week and, and conference championship week to be super impactful. Right, Because you look at Florida State now, and it's hard to feel as confident in them. So you look at their entire body of work. I mean, first of all, they were down 13 nothing to North Alabama, and that was before Jordan Travis got hurt. So they already looked kind of vulnerable. And then, and then you know, he goes down, and, and of course, the thing that should happen happened, where they pull away from a lesser opponent. And that's fine, but now they look vulnerable. This is a team that already had a sort of a weak resume. I mean, they have... At the beginning of the year, what looked like the best win that one of these teams could have in beating LSU in the season opener, but that's their only win over a current top 25 team. So their margin for error is super slim. I don't know Tate Rodemaker if he has what it takes. I mean, he did what's funny enough last year when Florida State beat Louisville 35-31, Tate Rodemaker came off the bench to save that game. So, you know, going into a two weeks here where one of the teams they're going to have to beat in their conference championship game is Louisville. Interesting to see if he can sort of save this season and keep it on track. I don't love their matchup against Florida this week. Mm. I really don't like Florida has not been a great team, but they're a tough out. They have, they are massive on both offensive and defensive lines. They're running backs. I mean, they run for five and a half yards per carry. Florida State's defensive weakness is against the run. Their offensive weakness is running the ball. And Florida has a pretty good run defense as well. And you got to think their passing game is going to be a little handicapped. I don't know. I wouldn't overlook the Gators this weekend. Graham Mertz, though, also out for Florida with yeah. a collarbone injury. So two backup quarterbacks, that'll be an interesting dynamic. Which just means they're going to lean on that running game more. Mm, and and I, I don't know. I don't love it. And you know, it's it's a similar profile then to when you go and look at Michigan, um, who you mentioned, right? The They've had a hard time with their passing game. Something's going on with J.J. McCarthy. And he's, you know, he was just 12 of 23 for 141 yards. He threw a pick in the end zone. Roman Wilson, their best receiver, went out and looks like he's going to be out against Penn State. They didn't throw a pass in the second half, which partially was because they didn't have to, but still you got to think it's going to be a little tougher against Ohio State. Their defense has been huge and come up big. I just – it's going to be tough to see, like, 
do they have enough offensively? Does Michigan have enough offensively in what could be a shootout? Like it's gonna it's hard to say. And and I like look, I can see Ohio State taking this game. I'm sure we'll do some preview stuff yep. later, but I just think like the matchup here is interesting and, and it's interesting to look at Florida State and Michigan both having sort of that weakness, that perceived weakness now probably in the passing game. Yeah, before we get into the previews, I'm interested in your thoughts on the playoff situation. For weeks, Washington has been below Florida State and on the way out, even though they have the best strength of schedule of any of those teams, clearly a better strength of schedule than Michigan or Ohio State. And I think everybody is just assuming that those two teams will play and that'll sort itself out, though I am immensely skeptical that as soon as that game is over, regardless of the result, everyone will dictate that both teams should be in. Mm -hmm. So, like, they'll both get in anyway. But, like, I think Washington absolutely should be in. They're clearly in my top four right now ahead of Florida State, even if Florida State goes undefeated. So Washington State right now is the only team in the country that has four wins over teams that are that were in the top twenty five last week. So like we have an, obviously have a new ranking now, and Utah has dropped out. But last week, Washington with wins over number six Oregon, number twelve Oregon State, number seventeen Arizona, and number twenty two Utah. And like Utah is still a tough team, and, and I just think that when you look at this resume, what I wonder is: are we penalizing them for having some ugly wins? It seems so. Mm -hmm. and I don't love that so this is a team that has been in tough games and found a way to win and I to me I think that that projects well for a college football playoff they're playing a tough schedule they're finding ways to win these games if they're able to beat Washington State who I know obviously has is kind of limping to the end of the season not against Colorado they weren't that's fair (laughs) but it's a it's still a tough game against a team with talent and an rivalry game. And then, God, if they beat Oregon again in the Pac-12 title game, like, they have to be in. Right. I honestly think even if they lose to Oregon, so they've split with Oregon. See, that's where it's tough right there is, like, very conceivable that Oregon beats them. Everyone will want to put Oregon in. But you have Florida State there, so they'd have to leap over them. Florida State could be undefeated, but with a broken quarterback Michigan and Ohio State whoever loses that game they're going to want to put in mm-hmm. Georgia's automatically a lock to get in so who are you kicking out at that point like that, right. that's real tough like I don't know and I think it, it's, I don't it's know a, the right answer it's a tough thing where you know you always balance with these if enough of these teams lose a game then they kind of cancel each other out Mm-hmm. Right, because they're not going to just drop everybody and then put Louisville in like <laughs> Louisville's not getting in so you know, Georgia, most likely in, unless they lose to Georgia Tech and Alabama. I think in that case, you take them out. But if they lose, if they beat Georgia Tech. You put Alabama in. (laughs) Well, yeah, probably. If you beat Georgia Tech and lose to Alabama, Georgia's still in. They may not be the one seed, but they're in. And I don't don't know what that looks like. They might be the one seed. They might be, yeah, I don't know. But I think the scenario that I have been kicking around in my head, I think Georgia wins out. I just think they're, they're firing on all cylinders. I think they'll beat Alabama in the SEC title game. It just, I mean, who knows? But that's what I think is going to happen. So you got an undefeated Georgia. There's your one seed. Fine. We don't even have to entertain the possibility of them losing a game. If you get a scenario, so Ohio State, I think, can lose to Michigan and still be in. 
I'm not sure if Michigan loses to Ohio State that they are as guaranteed to be in mm. because their schedule was so weak. Both of their schedules are pretty weak. Both of their the, schedules both of, are right weak, now their strength of schedule. Both teams are in the 60s. But I think the perception of Michigan's schedule is a little, and their win over Penn State. I don't know. It's it, it's tough, and I think it depends on what it looks like. But if if Ohio State were to go into the big house and win this game, then they have a massive road win, which is going to help their their thing. You know, I think because it's a home game for Michigan, it doesn't help them as it obviously is still a big one if they win the game. But the scenario I'm really enjoying is Ohio State loses to Michigan, but Michigan loses to Iowa. <laughs> I think at that point, just shut it down. <laughs> shut down the Big Ten. So so in reality, this is probably an elimination game for the playoff. Ohio State, Michigan. I, I, I think so, because... Um, I, I'm I, man. I it should be. You think they'll I, both be I, in no matter what? I just what. think unless one team lo- wins by forty. So like if you win by forty, yeah. I think everyone's like, okay, well, the other team had a chance. This game within a touchdown, you were just. I mean, literally, I can hear Gus Johnson already saying on the broadcast. <laughs> in addition to Maserati Marv, <laughs> he's just going to be like, both teams. These are two playoff teams. Yeah, and that's just going to be decided. I don't disagree. And then, then you end up with the situation with Oregon and Washington. I don't know. Like only one of those two teams really gets consideration, and maybe neither of them do. Yeah. If you want to keep, like, I just, I don't know. It seems unfair. See, it's unfair to me given the strength of schedule on, in the Pac-12. Yeah. That, that's I, I my think, main takeaway. Which is interesting because, yeah, I think that you're probably right in that Ohio State Michigan is less likely to be a, uh, an elimination game versus. Oregon Washington certainly will be mm-hmm. especially for Oregon but I actually think for for both of them there's no way and so what's interesting is that the scenario there is if Oregon were to lose to Oregon State which is not out of their own possibility like Oregon does not have a great win either because now that Utah's out of the top 25 Oregon hasn't beaten a single top 25 team so let's say they lose to Oregon State but then they beat Washington I think they're both out if Florida State then also loses a game, whether it's Florida or to Louisville, even if you have both Ohio State and Michigan in, guess who's back? Horns up, baby. Texas, Texas is right there. They just got to beat Texas Tech this weekend, which they're favored in that game by a touchdown, I think. Okay, At least a touchdown. Then you've got a Big 12 title game, and good luck making sense of the Big 12 tiebreakers because there's like four teams that are still – in the conversation for the Big 12 championship game. We just rematch with Oklahoma. Let's just I don't think it. it's going to be that because I all don't care. Oklahoma, <laughs> sure. I mean, it would be the best thing for them, but Oklahoma State, all they have to do is beat BYU, and they're in. So then Texas just has to beat Oklahoma State in the Big 12 title game, and they're right there. If anybody stumbles, Texas is right there with a path, and then we look brilliant <laughs> because Texas is back. They are back. I, I don't know. Is there any way Louisville gets in? Like, is no. there a path? No. No, there's no path. They they beat Kentucky easily. They blow out Florida State. And then you also have the Oregon-Washington scenario and Texas the drops The NCAA jumps in and suspends both Ohio <laughs> State and Michigan for their part in this sign-stealing thing. Like, that, I mean, that's, I mean, like it, that's e- it. ESPN has, has it as a 3% chance that Louisville mm-hmm. – 
makes so if you go through it and like they have this playoff simulator on there which i think is probably mostly bullshit like you know it doesn't matter they don't actually know but if you go through it with louisville and say they went out and win their conference title game it still only gives them a 13 percent chance to make the playoff <laughs> i don't know i'd be all in because i think louisville's not good and i think it'd be hilarious if they made the playoff Here's the one thing that the 12-team playoff will take away. This conversation of like how this is going to happen and this is mm-hmm. going to happen. Everything else about the 12-team playoff rules. Well, it's like, just going to create a different conversation. Yeah, it'll. but it's just so fun to look at like possible matchups where you could get like an Alabama-Louisville matchup or something like sure. that in the first round. That would just be awesome. Or you get Oregon and Tulane playing where like that's kind of a crazy matchup that you would never see in the well, first it, round. And it creates these fun things of like looking at it and saying, okay, like I, I just dropped it in there that like, you know, Oregon doesn't have a good win over a top 25 team this year. Well, what would happen if Oregon played Tulane? Or what would happen if Oregon played, I know they're not eligible and they just lost, but JMU or Liberty or like one of those teams that that may sneak in there. You know, we got to see, we, we've gotten to see some things with like TCU making it and like Cincinnati. Like what are these things kind of, how does it shake out? But yeah, I mean, I think it'll be fun and you'll just have different conversations about those like highest ranked, like where people should be in the top 12 and and things like that and we'll have conversations over seating and and all of that stuff but i don't know man if if washington's not in this playoff i'm protesting they're so fun every one of their games is fun even blowouts are fun close games are fun this game against oregon state in the rain where no one could catch a pass for significant portions of the game people are just pissing on the concourse yeah i did see that that's not a great look. If Washington makes the playoff, I'm buying a Michael Penix Jr. jersey. Sure. And I'm I'm all in. That'd be fun. Go I'm Huskies. lose to Georgia by 40, but I'm, hey, fun. Maybe, maybe not. You mentioned JMU. How'd they do? Ooh. Karma is real. You knew it was going to happen, though. Yeah, I did. I mean, like. I absolutely <laughs> did. Okay, I didn't just mean you specifically. Oh. I meant, like. The it, world. It, yeah. It, yeah, it had to, this thing had to fall apart at some point. It's still, it's still a damn good team. Oh, sure. Great and, season. Good job. I think it's ridiculous that they weren't going to make a bowl game. Yeah. And that whole thing is ridiculous. But at the same time, making such a big deal out of it, there's a little bit of karmic justice for them to lose to App State. Yeah. Who now feels like a villain. They've come full circle of it. like hero to villain arc story arc. It's perfect. Look, I just need Tulane to hold the line, be that group of 16 that's going to get a New Year's Bowl. Because if they stumble, you know who next up is. Liberty Flames. Mm. Wouldn't, wouldn't like that. No, no. Yeah. So go Green Wave. You got to stay up there. <laughs> My hope was, I mean, I was. it's funny. I was explaining on the drive. Uh, we kind of, you know, hit some traffic Saturday morning around Harrisonburg. And I was telling my wife that uh, College Game Day was there and it was a big game. And she was like, Really? College Game Day is at JMU? She hasn't really been paying attention to that whole thing. Uh, Biggest crowd ever. So I kind of explained it and I had to explain the whole. So she was like, Oh, they're going to be in like a big bowl game then. And I was like, Oh, you would think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had to explain that to her and she uh, could not wrap her head around that transition period rule and even explaining why it exists. She was like, Yeah, but 
you know, this idea that teams would just move up and down based on we think we could compete this year, so we're going to move up to the higher. She's like, teams aren't going to do that. That seems like a logistical nightmare. Yeah. It's like, yeah, exactly. It's a stupid rule, which is shocking because usually the NCAA's rules are so clear-cut and justified, but not so much this time. They help figure out what you can and can't put on a recruit's <laughs> bagel. Love it. So should we talk about games this weekend? Yeah, games real quick, though, I have another storyline that oh, I'm okay. monitoring. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Thursday, a spokesperson for the University of North Carolina put out a statement. I don't know if you saw this. I did not. As far as I know, relatively unprompted. Maybe some conversations around this uh, have been out there online, but issued a statement saying that Mac Brown is full steam ahead, mm-hmm. committed to the program, and will not be retiring after this season. Okay. Now, Good. this strikes me very similar to Richard Nixon saying, I'm not a crook. Well, but Richard Nixon said it. This is somebody as a spokesman for Mac Brown. Mac Brown didn't say this. Sure. Well, I mean, hypothetically, he said it at some point. (laughs) Well, you don't know. And it's actually even worse that he didn't say it. So when you issue a statement saying your coach is absolutely not going to retire after the season, what's the first thing you think? They might be retiring. That guy might be retiring. I mean, look, I'm not even – this is – I promise this is not even me just trying to hate on Carolina. But they just – two days after that, lost to Clemson, it feels like if there was a window for Carolina to to contend, that window is closing after this year. So for the last five years, he's had either a starting quarterback, a future NFL starting quarterback in Sam Howell, now looks like a franchise quarterback for the Washington Commanders. Maybe not a great one, mm. but I mean... He's Embrace been, debate. But he's go been ahead. good enough. Or And then he had a quarterback in Drake May who's going to be a top five draft pick. Has not done better, gone better than nine and three. Well, MJ Morris, just pencil him right in. <laughs> I, sw- I- <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I obviously am not rooting for that to happen. Oh, but good lord! I know that podcasts are not person. a visual medium, <laughs> but if people could see the just the pain that just hit my, uh, yeah. I don't know. Just an interesting thing to monitor. I know that one of my hot takes going into the season was that Mac Brown may do this in season. Which obviously that is wrong. I'll own that. I'm not ruling out that he could he could be done. Or I, is he gonna go to Mississippi State or Texas A and M? No, I think he's gonna stay. This will be his last stop. But I think he's gonna stick around because that's what the guy said. Why would I take him at anything less than his word? But I do think like UNC is a place that Football is obviously not their top priority, but they do have a lot of collective money for things like NIL. He is going to have to rebuild very strongly in the transfer portal. Mm. Is he going to be able to do that in his 80-year-old, however old he is? like, What is his capability of understanding of being able to go out and recruit people that hard? I don't know. Like, that's an I think that's an interesting storyline to see if he still has the ability to change his ways and continue to evolve as a coach even though he's been around forever and Mm -hmm. old but like carolina has to be able to do that and they do have some cachet as a program that always is ranked in the top 15 to start the year so maybe that's (laughs) appealing to some people (laughs) you know maybe maybe a future quarterback sees drake may go top five and 17 and eight during his career and think hey i could go 17 and eight and want to be part of that hey i could lose the uva yeah, he did. <laughs> we talk about this all the time about seeing things athletes do where you could say, This is your thing, where you're like, I could do that. Yeah. I could lose the UVA. This is like, listen, 
Daniel Jones seems like a great fella now with the Giants or sitting on the Giants hospital bed, whatever, whatever he's doing with the Giants. But like he couldn't beat UVA in his career, and then he was supposed to be a franchise quarterback. Come on, man. Yeah. The gotta, uh, gotta look into those advanced stats. That does just remind me, and I don't. I know we're not like NFL. This is not our thing, but you just like sometimes it's crazy who makes it. Tim Boyle. Yeah that that whole story is ridiculous. There's a great piece on him in the Ringer this week about just how improbable it is that he's going to be starting. It makes no sense. He's never had any degree of success really no. at any level. No, and he's an NFL starting quarterback this week. Anyway, so maybe you're right. Maybe somebody looks at that and says, "Hey, I I can do that at Carolina and be fine." I because, like wearing Jordan Brand because of the brand. Absolutely. It's just you know. I, I don't know. I'm not ruling it out. And listen, I don't know if I want Mac Brown to retire as a as a fan of a rival. Yeah, if you put somebody like uh, I don't know a competent, even somebody like a Jimbo Fisher or a James Franklin or somebody who's not like elite elite, but like James Franklin, you pencil him in. He's going to get top level recruits. He's going to be able to use the NIL structure, and then he's going to go ten and two because he always goes ten and two. Yeah, that's better than they're going to be this year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to I me, don't want that. To me, like Jimbo Fisher seems like a Carolina fit, and I think he's a little, uh, you know, very similar to Mac Brown, and that he's gonna get those recruits. The voices alone, <laughs> but like, he kind of scares me that he could actually win some more games than Mac Brown could, and I, I don't know. It's, it's just an interesting thing, interesting thing to watch moving forward. All right, let's talk about the games. There are a lot of games to talk about, so we're gonna do it quickly, hypothetically to the extent that we're capable. Yeah. So first in the ACC, games start on Friday. So you've cleaned up your Thanksgiving meal, making some sandwiches, turkey sandwiches with stuffing for the day after, and you can just sit there. Your family's still there. Maybe you're trying to get them out of the house and turn on ABC at noon and watch Miami and Boston College, Ugh. two former Big East rivals who have not played since 2018. I don't know if you watched the Miami-Louisville game. Uh, I had it on uh, at the tailgate. And Molly McGrath was talking about Trevor Van Dyke. And apparently he has been dealing with something called a lavelet lesion, where the skin separates from the muscle and fat layer on his right leg from the knee down. It's an injury most commonly seen in high-velocity traumas or car accidents. Whoa. That's what he's been dealing with. Ouch. No wonder he hasn't been playing well. But yeah. but she added that he's not making excuses. <laughs> Even despite telling her all the stuff. It seems kind of like an excuse. But uh, <laughs> anyway, Miami's favored by nine against Boston College. Both of these teams are six and five and going to some random bowl game. I don't know. Probably Miami. Probably. This is a game Miami should win. Look, I get the Tyler Van Dyke appeal. It's got a lot of potential. Not not his leg though. <laughs> well, it literally is peeling. Uh, <laughs> sorry. He the best defense he played this year was Texas A and M, and he had a great game against them. However, in three of his last four games, his QBR has been below forty. Uh, they just don't look all that great. He's got pretty good receivers to throw to. This is a game Miami absolutely should win. So yeah, go ahead and give me Boston College. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I really think Miami wins this. I'm not sure they cover the eight points. I think that tease it down. Yeah, I would definitely tease this down. I just think it, it just uh, I don't know. It just feels a little bit like Miami lays an egg here, but I I don't I don't know. 
Not get the game over so that uh, Cristobal can go recruit. Yeah. Just get that game. I said, perfect. He's got Saturday and Sunday to go recruit. I love it. I love it. But, yeah, I'll definitely be teasing this down if I bet on it. Saturday at noon on ABC, Kentucky travels to Louisville to compete for the Governor's Cup. There are a lot of Governor's Cups out there. I think mm-hmm. they need to decide whichever one is oldest. Stick with that. Everybody else needs to rename their trophy. I'm with you. That's my thing. Uh, Devin Leary, your boy. Yeah. Former NC State, great. Has not played well this year. He's nope. got eight games with a completion percentage under 60%. Louisville ranks 11th in stopping opponents on third down, which is something that Kentucky has struggled with this year. This is a clear tease for me on either side because mm-hmm. I think it will be pretty close. I think Louisville wins the game. So you tease it down to three, tease it up to 13, whatever you want. Tease either side of it. Going to be a close one. Louisville wins. Yeah, look, I, you know how I feel sometimes about transfers, and I don't want to revel in it not going well, but I think that Devin Leary uh, and Demi Sumo Kongabe, the running back who transferred from NC State along with Devin Leary to Kentucky, both of them have had disappointing years. Sometimes the grass isn't always greener. Uh, it's bluer. In this case. <laughs> ah, beat you to your joke. <laughs> you did. You know, and, and I do hate to see it. I love Devin Leary, and I hate to see him transfer out just to have this year um, that he's had, and it's been tough on a disappointing Kentucky team. And it's hard not to think about what could have been, especially when you think about the fact that he transferred out seemingly to clear the way for MJ Morris. Uh, ooh. Oops. Super awkward there. And then... Well, they s- did for four games. Yeah. But. Sumo Kongbe kind of transferred out to clear their you know it was a very crowded running back room in nc state which is also a big oops now because several of them have transferred out and we've been fed at running back so he could have been the star there but this feels like a great chance for kentucky to play spoiler it really does mm-hmm. and what they do i love it so much that i'm gonna pick kentucky straight up i think kentucky wins this game and louisville any that three percent chance they have to make the playoff goes down and then all they've got left is to play spoiler against florida state i yeah i like kentucky here one touchdown games the last two weeks for louisville against miami and uva it's not the kind of dominance you want to see at the end of the year saturday at noon on the acc network Pitt travels to duke the most meaningless game (laughs) that we have available to us panthers have won seven straight in the series and nine of the last 10 quarterback Nate Yarnell looked pretty good actually for Pitt last week and got the win against BC but I have to say I was impressed with Grayson Loftus who is Duke's third string quarterback he actually played pretty well at UVA showed a lot of composure made a lot of good throws down the field Uh, Jordan Moore receiver had a really good game and UVA clearly had trouble stopping him and just let me say what a well-coached team for Duke only one penalty for 10 yards. Mike Elko is just so good at coaching those guys. Uh, this is me being mad because of the many thousands of penalties mm. that were called in the first half of the game and zero on Duke. Man, they're just Only so well one. coached. So well coached. Texas a will be great uh, with him at the helm. I don't know. Give me Pitt. Really? Plus six. I don't know. Why not? Why anything? Well, because Pitt sucks is the big why uh, not. They just beat BC. Why can't they win this game? Oh, yeah. Pit plus <laughs> Noted <six>. powerhouse BC. <laughs> I, I mean, realistically, I wouldn't bet on this game with your money. But See, it's interesting. I, I actually think Duke minus six is one of my best bets of the week. Mm. I think the, the, the Duke defense, which 
has come back down to earth a little bit, but is still a really, really solid defense against a an absolutely awful pit offense. I just think that there's no way. I, I think this is a ten point game. Like I, I just in looking through multiple different prediction models, they have this projected as a as an eight to ten point game, and I, I I'm on the high end of that. I think it's at least a ten point game. I think Duke wins this one pretty easily, distances them away, distances themselves away from Pitt. Yeah, give me Duke minus six, and I, I've got this as like a lock this week. Okay. Be a perfect opportunity for them to lock themselves into the whatever the bowl game is at Yankee Stadium. Pinstripe, Pinstripe Bowl. bowl yeah. Or the Fenway Bowl yeah, or whatever. Be Duke's Mayo Bowl contenders. I don't think they can have – I don't think they can play favorites. Are they allowed to be in the Duke's Mayo Bowl? Oh, nice. Mm. Didn't think about that. Mm. Saturday at 2 on the CW. Craziness on the CW has yet to see a team as crazy as Syracuse <laughs> taking on Wake Forest. So last week I was detailing the fact that Syracuse was playing some rando guy and they only had four completions in the game on eight attempts. And the leading receiver was their backup, originally starting quarterback, Garrett Schrader. Mm. This past week got even realer. So just for context, quarterback Dan Villari is the quarterback of the last couple of weeks for Syracuse. He got in there because Garrett Schrader wasn't playing well, but was mostly injured the last few weeks. And despite the fact that he's injured, Garrett Schrader keeps getting put in games, barely a quarterback, also to run the ball. Like he had <laughs> one carry for two yards this last week. So if he's injured, why is he running? That is one question. But then Dan Villari went 14 for 14 for 59 yards. How did Dan Villari get to be the quarterback at Syracuse? Well, he was at Michigan, and he was a tight end. He came to Syracuse and became the tight end and was put in as the third-string quarterback after things went south on the season. 14 for 14 for 59 yards. Yeah. How do you even complete 14 passes for only 59 that is like me playing madden against somebody who's like way better than me and i'm just like immediately dropping it off to the tailback just like yeah (laughs) like what i don't understand any part of this and this is probably why syracuse decided to fire dino babers because a lot of this is just not making sense so give me wake on the road syracuse can still be bowl eligible with a win and i refuse it i just like the universe doesn't want it i don't want it Go Wake Forest for the first time all season. I'm all in on Wake. They get the win. They're two and a half point underdogs. They're going to win outright. Look, Wake Forest, a nation is counting on you. I said it last week. We cannot allow this Syracuse team to make a bowl. Now, part of that, part of that was thinking if they made a bowl, Dino Babers could save his job. But Syracuse wasn't waiting around for that. (laughs) They, they didn't want to. They didn't want to <laughs> leave that up to the players. Yeah, did not want that. Look, I mean, it's kind of crazy. I, I just want to touch on that a little bit. Like, Dino Babers coached seven full seasons at Syracuse. Almost made it through his eighth year here. Almost came just short. Almost made it through eight years, having just one season with more than seven wins. And I know, like, Syracuse is a tough job. But you kind of look at like go back through history. I mean. They, they had Jim Brown. Why can't they win now? Jim Brown, Ernie Davis. Uh, you know, they've got a pretty strong recruiting pool, New Jersey, New York area. They're getting a new football operations building. So they got new facilities coming. Tommy DeVito. They've got a national title. 
it, now it was in 1959, but like, I, you know, still, yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough. And I think that I understand it's a, it's a tough program. It's interesting to sort of think about what that looks like future in terms of coaching stuff. We'll talk about that in the off season whenever they, you know, hire somebody that we've never heard of, but I, it's tough, right? I like, I, I don't know who will win this game, but I really hope it's Wake Forest. And I, I like their I like their odds here. So give me Wake to keep Syracuse out of a bowl and save a nation from one of its greatest potential embarrassments. I feel like this actually hurts the ACC because, like, don't with money shares of bowl games, don't we get more money if Syracuse? Yeah, but I don't care. Yeah, I don't care. About, I, don't, I don't see any of that it's money. Not, it's not worth it to me. I don't get. They don't cut a paycheck to me. So no. mm. Saturday, three thirty on the ACC Network. Virginia Polytechnical Institute and State University takes on UVA. Tech is favored by three points. Listen, zooming out these two programs, either team could clearly win the game. I think Tech has a higher ceiling. They've shown this year with big wins blowing out Boston College. They play like that, they will win the game. But they also have a lower floor, I think. And like weird, weird to say, but I think UVA has been the more consistent team just kind of in the middle in a lot of their games throughout the year. I'm concerned about UVA's offensive line. They had a couple of injuries late in the Duke game. Mikhail Boley went down to kind of a scary situation. There was a timeout, and then he just collapsed. Mm. So I assume he's not going to play this week. And Tech has one of the best sack rates in the country. They're third in sack rate on dropbacks. I don't know. I really don't know what to do. Uh, I picked against uva last week and they won i picked uva to beat georgia tech and they lost so i'm going to pick against uva because no no chance uva wins there is no way that virginia can get this done this week i don't believe in them no one does put that on the bulletin board tech wins 28 23 that's my take okay no one believes in you virginia that's right look so I know Tony Musket was out. They, he was not available against Duke, correct? That's correct. He's As been day to day. There's a chance that he will be available this week. Okay. I would say if he plays, first of all, if he's available, you should play him. Do not. Do not put your freshman quarterback behind that offensive line against this good. Virginia Tech defense. He will be in danger if he is behind that offensive line against this Virginia Tech pass rush. I, I just genuinely, like, you have – a future to protect so you want to put a guy with an injured ankle back there well but here's the the reason yeah the <laughs> because he gets the ball out quicker so i think that actually bodes well for your team i'm not even just saying like you don't want your freshman quarterback to get hurt you don't but like i think that tony musket does give you a better chance to win this game right now because he gets the ball out so so quickly you know, compared to compared to Anthony Calandria. So I, I, I don't know. I It's hard to say. I, I'm not sure that watching these two teams that I, I don't love UVA's chances. I don't hate them. I like, I don't think that Virginia Tech is like a juggernaut. I don't, I'm not gonna, I know that you're kind of tongue in cheek about it. I'm not saying that there's no shot at this. You got to obviously contain Chiron drones. You know, I think there's some stuff there where that could be difficult for UVA's defense, but if they can do that, I think this game's close. I definitely think it's a close game. I, I like the advantage you have of having this being a home game. I know I've kind of 
it on the home field advantage of Scott Stadium in the past, but I've been there for a UVA Tech game. If it's going to be loud, it's going to be loud this weekend. So I, I like Virginia's chances here to keep this close. I do think Virginia Tech wins. It's probably by a field goal. I think the line's right on. I, I'd be scared to touch it because I just I think it's probably a push. Like it's a three line. It's a three point line. I think that's probably what it looks like. Two people who say Virginia has no chance. <laughs> that is what you're hearing here on the podcast. Go ahead and vote for Malik Washington though for Bolitnikov. Yeah, I legit think he should win the Bolitnikov. He's dude had. <laughs> He has 96 catches for 1,311 yards, nine touchdowns. Prior to coming to Virginia, in his time at Northwestern, he had 1,348 yards and three touchdowns. Dude is like maybe one of the best transfers in the country just in terms of production. And that, that's why the transfer portal is so important because nobody looked at him going in. I mean, we knew he'd be a major weapon for UVA. But in the offseason, people weren't looking at it saying this guy's going to be a legit Bolitnikov no. contender. No. So you never know what happens in the transfer portal. Like, there's guys out there. Yeah, love. I love watching him play. Saturday, 7 o'clock ESPN, number four, Florida State, as we talked about, travels to Gainesville in the swamp. They're six-and-a-half-point favorites, and they're going to have to do it with Tate Rodemacher because Jordan Travis is down. Florida, though, going to have to play with Max Brown, who coming into – this game, he had only thrown uh, seven college passes before he got put into the game against Missouri last week. I totally agree with you that Florida like has that opportunity to win this game, but I'm taking Florida State on a discount and just assuming that Rademacher is not going to make the team as dynamic, but he's at least an experienced quarterback who has been in some big games, and I think Max Brown has not. I think this will be close, and Florida State pulls away late and covers. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going with Florida here. I think Florida wins the game. I like them straight up. The, Don't I'm, back down. <laughs> I may take the points just to be safe in terms of actually wagering my money. I don't know. I There's something about this that, again, the running attack, I think, will be uh, vital for Florida here. They're, gonna, they're going to hammer that. Both of their lines are massive. Um, they tend to win battles in the trenches, and I think that's going to be huge here. They're going to try to uh, make this a kind of a, a dogfight in the trenches. I don't think they're looking for a big passing game. I don't think that either team really is going to be looking for that. Florida State, probably more comfortable with their passing game at this point. But looking at Max Brown at Florida, you know, three-star coming out of high school, so not a huge, huge prospect. But he did beat out a former four-star for the backup job uh, in Jack Miller. Obviously, they had Jalen Kitna at one point, but he's uh, – we won't touch that, but he's he's gone. But Max Brown brings a different dynamic to quarterback, a little bit more athletic. They're going to look to get him out of the pocket a decent amount, probably going to see some option running game, which could be interesting. Something – if they're able to incorporate that with a week to prepare, Florida State hasn't really seen a whole lot of that this year, um, if, if much at all. And so – that gives them a different dynamic there. If he can take care of the ball, they can establish the running game. I really like Florida here to pull off the upset and derail Florida State's year. Saturday, 7.30 on ABC. Number one, Georgia is a 24-point favorite against Georgia Tech in the game that people call clean, old-fashioned hate. That's the best name for any rivalry there is. Uh, a lot of teams did their cakewalk games last week we got alabama playing chattanooga lsu played georgia state auburn as we said played new mexico state oops 
But uh, Georgia went ahead and saved their cakewalk for the last week of the year, <laughs> playing Georgia Tech. Uh, this is an interesting thing. I was looking at the history of this rivalry, and it goes back to uh, 1891 when University of Georgia's literary magazine declared that their school colors were going to be old gold, black, and crimson, which uh, the first Georgia football coach felt that gold was too close to what Georgia Tech had and symbolized cowardice. So that's, you know, both teams are going to be thinking about that when they step on the field. <laughs> Two teams that clearly don't like each other. I don't know if you saw Kirby Smart gave some thoughts on this yesterday where he said that Georgia Tech uh, is with basically like co-located in the state. Like he just basically announced that Georgia Tech is a rivalry because they are in the state. And it's like, yeah, man, that's, that's how these work. That's how it goes. Yeah. Georgia is going to cover this easily. Yeah. No doubt about it. Full steam ahead, 45-7 for Georgia. Love it. The I do want to do a segment next week because Rivalry Week always brings us some real dumb quotes. So I want to do a segment next week where we pull the stupidest things that people said uh, in Rivalry Week because it's coaches saying stuff like that. Some coaches trying to downplay rivalries. Some coaches are saying things to try to get their teams and their fan bases fired up the nc state north carolina rivalry we had the everett withers quote back in 08 or 09 where he talked about carolina being the flagship university and all this stuff but look georgia tech has an opportunity to play spoiler here if they're able to beat georgia maybe they have a chance to knock them out of the playoff i don't know man that's a stupid thing to even think about because there's no way it happens i like georgia here i think 45 to 7 might be conservative Look, Georgia, pretty much every game for them has been a cakewalk this year with the exception of Missouri. So uh, give me Georgia to absolutely demolish Georgia Tech. They're going to look like a rambling wreck after this. You know how you know sometimes you're talking to somebody, maybe maybe to me, but maybe to a loved one, and you're just like not really paying attention to what mm. they're saying. Mm -hmm. They're telling some story, and you're just kind of like, yeah, you know, like whatever. This is what Kirby Smart said when he was asked about Georgia Tech, and it seems like it's got a similar vibe. Quote, geographically, they're close. They're in our state. You're playing for something every time you play them because you're playing for a state championship. I think that's always important. They do a good job. It's the next opponent. <laughs> it's the next opponent. It's yeah. great. It's just like, yeah, you know, um, I can't believe she said that to you, honey. Yeah. Unbelievable. Oh, uh, yeah. Georgia Tech, we do have to play them, huh? Geographically, they're close. Uh, when's Alabama again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Saturday, 7.30 on the SEC Network. They're stealing our games. It just means more. Clemson minus seven at South Carolina in the Palmetto Bowl. Last year, shocking upset from South Carolina to beat Clemson and keep them out of the college football playoff discussion. Both teams have won the last three, but Clemson's wins have been against actual teams. <laughs> like, I guess Kentucky is the best win that South Carolina has. And they had DeRude playing live at the stadium so of course they were going to win that game oh yeah but last time i checked he's not going to be there this week and this is one of my locks of the week i love the way clemson is playing started the season with them then i wandered in the wilderness and now they're back playing great football take that tyler from spartanburg give me the tigers and Dabo win this game easily against one of the worst defenses in the sec Look, there's going to be a whole lot of Tylers from Spartanburg at this game. So there are, I, half of the arena will be Tylers from Spartanburg. I think Dabo might be a little rattled by this. But uh, look, this is perfect. This is when this Clemson-South Carolina game is at its best. Growing up in Charlotte, 
this was a rivalry game that was definitely on my radar. Lots of Clemson and South Carolina people in the city, but you're also not that far away. So it's like you pay a lot of attention to it. And some people talk about it as like, you know, when Clemson and those years, like the clowny years when South Carolina was good, um, some of those spurrier years, like, oh, that's the best time. But I actually think this rivalry game is way more exciting when these teams are exactly what they are now. Out of the national title conversation, scrapping to the end of the year, there is nothing better than that because these teams are going to fight. And I I just can't wait. I can't wait to see like if you go through I highly encourage people to go through and read the Wikipedia article on this rivalry because there's so much good stuff when you go through to see all the stuff that's happened. My favorite edition of this game and I think this is what we're headed for. 2004. Going into the game, these teams are basically around like similar records. I think they're they're both hovering around 500 and in the fourth quarter you have a massive brawl in the end zone where you get like people are kicking players without helmets on like it it got awful and I think that's what we're looking at this weekend and I can't wait and I think that kind of game can't wait for players to get (laughs) kicked in the face (laughs) that kind of game I think favors the Gamecocks give me South Carolina I think Spencer Rattler has the game of his career and picks apart that Clemson defense. I know it makes no sense. This rivalry makes no sense. I think Cousin Dabo's in trouble. Throw the record books out. Yeah. Finally, Saturday at 8 on the ACC Network, North Carolina and Mac Brown travel to Raleigh. They're two-and-a-half-point favorites. Mm-hmm. Wolfpack are looking for their third straight win in the series. Last year was a double overtime thriller. A lot of fun. Brennan Armstrong played well in Blacksburg. And usually when I go into these things and when I'm writing my Saber Betrix article, I go into a lot of like detail, minutia, spend a lot of time like looking at the numbers and thinking through mm-hmm. it. This game, I'm just going to underthink it. Just take a step back. One team has been playing really, really well in NC State. The other team's only good-looking performance the last few weeks was against Campbell. And every other week they've looked like just barely competitive or get a loss. I'm taking State. Let's go. Let's go. Go pack. Listen, I love that and I would love to take state. I, I'm so scared about this game. The only thing that I feel so our defense is playing super well. It's a tough offense to defend, though. They're very balanced. And I it sounds crazy, but I think the way to beat this team is to make Drake May beat you, which is wild because he's gonna be a top five pick in the NFL draft. But you can't let Amari and Hampton run all over you. It's one of the best running backs in the country. And then they have a pretty deep running back room outside of him as well. But if you can shut him down, make them rely on Drake May, and then put pressure on Drake May, which the Wolfpack does a good job of. They pressure opposing quarterbacks at a pretty high rate. They use some pretty exotic blitz packages out of that 3-3-5 defense. I think you can rattle them a little bit. And I think the big advantage we have is it is a night game in Carter Finley. And that place is going to be going berserk. I would give a body part to be in that stadium on Saturday night. Unfortunately, I have to work. Otherwise, I would be there. I like our chances to keep this game close. Unfortunately, I do think Carolina pulls away in the end. I, I don't know that we're going to no have respect. enough. I no don't... respect. Do you hear it? You hear that, Dave Doran? <laughs> Your own people don't think you're going to win this game. 
bulletin board. Love it. Uh, that's the ACC. So many good rivalries to talk about out there, but two stand out because they involved games against ranked opponents. Friday at 8.30 on Fox, it's the Civil War and possibly one of the last ones, or did they, I think they finally figured out that they're going to keep playing each other. I don't know. I don't know how. I can't keep track of all the Apple legal Cup. battles over this. Yeah. Oregon State is underdogs of two touchdowns traveling to Oregon. And Oregon, just like watching them play, they look the best to me, other than Georgia. Like, Georgia is steamrolling everybody. But then, like, to me, Oregon looks like the second best team just in how they're playing. Totally get it. But I kind of think this is going to be a sneaky close game. Oregon State played Washington really close last week, and even in bad conditions, and they've been playing well all season. So I'm going to take Oregon State in the points. The thing I did want to point out about this rivalry that I like, though, they have the Platypus Trophy mm. is the thing that is given to them because it looks kind of like a beaver and kind of like a duck, and they came up with that. It was awarded to teams uh, between 1959 and 1961, and then it disappeared. The ri- the trophy just disappeared. And then people just were like, well, that's weird. We don't have a trophy anymore. And then they found it in a closet in Oregon in 2005. Some guy was just like, oh, is this the thing you were looking for? It's, yeah, it's been right <laughs> here next to these shirts and these boxes. I love it. I love that. So now it's back as the official trophy. Go Platypus Trophy. Go Beavs to cover. Just to cover. Yeah, Oregon's going to win the game. Okay. I I don't know. Oregon, I get it. Like watching them, they do look really good. However, you know, again, no wins over any team that is currently in the top twenty-five. It's because they beat them so badly, they knocked them out of the top twenty-five. Sure, sure, sure. Well, their best win is probably what, like Washington State or Utah. I would probably be your argument, I guess. Um, Colorado. <laughs> they beat they beat USC by nine. Like maybe that's impressive. USC now with four losses in the regular season. Is that supposed to? I I don't know. Like, I, and I'm not trying to say that they're bad. I think Oregon is good. I think you can make a similar. They're they're to me in a similar boat as Michigan, where you've not played a ton of really impressive teams, but you've dominated your schedule. You know, they had that one close game against Texas Tech as well. I get it. I think Oregon State. You know, their key to winning this game is going to be leaning on the running game for sure. They have a pretty powerful and efficient running game that I think they could use to put some pressure on Oregon. This one I'm super conflicted on, and I'm just going to, you know what? We're going to go balls to the wall for rivalry week. I think Oregon State wins this game. Mm. I don't actually think that, but I'm just going to, you know. sure that's fine i'm gonna i'm gonna roll it's with a podcast it. you I'm can gonna, say whatever you want yeah i'm gonna roll with it i do like them to cover for sure i think this game is uncomfortably close for oregon and i think just you know comparing the resumes again i think oregon looks really good against lesser competition oregon state you know is a total of eight points away from being undefeated yeah i like them to cover and I want to like them to win, but I'm okay. not sure I commit to that with my money or anybody else's money, but I will say it. Okay. You're on the record. Yeah. Other big game, of course, is the game. Fox on Saturday at noon, Ohio State, number two in the country, traveling to Michigan. Michigan's favored by a field goal. Michigan's defense has been one of the best in the country. They lead the nation in stop rate. 
and in points allowed, they are a complete force. But like you mentioned, their offense has been a little bit stagnant. Maybe the last couple weeks, Penn State, they struggled, struggled to pull away from Maryland. I am a little surprised that the line is this small and that it's going down towards Ohio State because it opened at four in some books and now is down to three. Yeah. I like Ohio State to win this game outright. And I don't really have a good reason for thinking that other than Ohio State has a lot of good players. Michigan has a lot of good players. But I think that Ohio State gets the job done. Marvin Harrison Jr. has been great. And having one of the best seasons probably will win the Bolitnikoff. So, yeah, I'm going to take Ohio State to win this game and finally get right with the rivalry. So two teams here that are on opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of where they are health-wise. You know, Michigan, uh, two offensive linemen go down last week. I mentioned Roman Wilson earlier, J.J. McCarthy playing through something potentially. Look, if you this is in my locks. If you can get Ohio State at – I got them at three and a half. If you can get them over three, take it. Like, I think this is a field goal game. So Ohio State plus three and a half or greater, absolutely want that. You know, Ohio State's got Travion Henderson healthy running game. They've started to lean on that. They've made some changes to how they're attacking uh, defenses that way, which is good because they've had some struggles with offensive production on the road. I also kind of like Ohio State to win this game, which I know I've been high on Michigan, so it feels weird to me. I have too. I've like all season, I've been pro Michigan and they've been great against the spread all year. And then this week, I'm just like, no, no, go Ohio State, go Bucks. It's just a, it's tough, right? Like this is a more limited Ohio State offense that we've than we've seen in the past. But like I mentioned earlier, this Michigan offense has been sort of limited in the last couple of weeks. But Michigan's defense is wild. I mean, last last week they had a scoop and score, two interceptions and a safety like they're making plays so they have like an iowa like defense but with a competent offense Mm -hmm. and and that makes this difficult and you know mccarthy was really really good early on but he's had some tough games with jim harbaugh suspended so maybe he's you know not as good when he doesn't know what the opposing defenses are going to be doing (laughs) I thought we were calling those plays in. What happened? Where's that guy? <laughs> you know, and so you've got, yeah, Travion Henderson last week against Minnesota had a 75-yard touchdown run. Third, he's had in the last four weeks he's have he's had three 100-yard games. Mecca Abuka um, is back, had his biggest game since September with 83 yards. That helps when you have Marvin Harrison on one side getting double, triple coverage sometimes. Buckeyes' offensive line has not been super great. I don't know, man. I mean, like, we're going to talk about this, and then on Friday, some Michigan coach is going to get suspended. So, who knows? But um, I like Ohio State to cover. I like Michigan probably to win by a field goal or less is what I where I'm going to land. I know I went back and forth there, but I like Michigan to win by three or fewer points. Two things real quick on this. One is that Ohio State has only been an underdog in the regular season four times since the beginning of 2012. Wow. And they won all four of those games outright. Okay. So there's that. More importantly, they I don't know if you're familiar with this in the rivalry, but Ohio State fans cross out M's everywhere mm-hmm. yes. because they can't see the letter M yeah. during rivalry week. So they have Jim Knowles, who's one of their coaches. He has been nominated as a semifinalist for the Broyles Award. And so their official 
Facebook or their official Twitter put out mm, something congratulating him as being a semifinalist, but crossed off the M with an X. So now it says that he is a sexy finalist. <laughs> it's right there. He is the official sexy finalist of the Broyles Award. Go, oh. Good job, G. Knowles. Love that. Or Jix Knowles. J- Jix Knowles. Yeah. Ooh. I love, I see that stuff like that. That's what makes this week so, so great. Yeah. As adults acting like children. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying that critically. I genuinely love it. It is fun. Um, People carrying around like little trophies that they they yeah. win. Like that's great. It's good stuff. I absolutely love it. Are there any other games, rivalry games that you have your eye on? It's kind of weird going into this weekend where like the Iron Bowl's happening and I mm. feel like the New Mexico State game has taken all the cachet out of that. But like every time Auburn plays a home game against Alabama, like something crazy happens and it's just everyone has kind of moved on that that game is over and done yeah. with. But so that for me, that's the game I care the most about. But yeah, I, I think that's here. definitely up there as like, hey, this could be interesting. You know, something wild could happen. We already talked about Kentucky Louisville. That was sort of on my radar as like, Something unexpected could happen here. You've got to watch in the Big 12. Again, we've already mentioned these, but like Texas Tech, Texas. You know, Texas has an outside chance to still be sitting there in the in the playoff potentially, but they've got to take care of Texas Tech. The one that's interesting to me that I hammered with a bet today is Iowa is an underdog at Nebraska. Also, just the like line. another <laughs> record low. We're, we're at 26 and a half here for the the point total. And I just think you got to hit the under. They keep going under. They keep resetting the line, and they keep going under, and they keep winning. Yeah, they keep winning games, even so, though the line is like that. I I bet them at like plus one twenty five to win. I think it was straight up. Like I I'm sorry. I understand Iowa can't play offense, but Nebraska's not good. It's wild to me that they're favored in this game. That line stinks, and I know you you run to the smell. This one, I'm like, nope. Nope, give me that. <laughs> I like Iowa to win. Um, so that one's interesting to me. I'm just excited for the stuff that we don't see coming, right? I mean, like, there's going to be some games that are that are just crazy. The other one I have just circled as one of my better bets of the week is uh, I like Kansas to cover against Cincinnati. Cincinnati's really, really bad. Mm-hmm. And it's only a six-and-a-half-point line. Um, and I think Kansas is going to score a lot of points. So I also kind of like the over in that game. Yeah, other than that, no. I mean, I think the ones that we've that we've – focused on are going to be the best ones i'm also excited to see the apple cup because i actually think wazoo is going to play really well the line's 17 there and i think washington is like they keep getting wins and credit to them but they just looked wobbly they haven't blown teams out in the rivalry game washington state just came out of a dominant performance against colorado they put 56 on the board i don't know i think that game could be close i i think washington will win but yeah, I, could I be could be a little interesting. Could be a tough game. 